Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. Happy Monday. And I do mean that in the biggest way possible because we have our guys, Glenn and Stu, back in the building. Yay. Yeah, we're awesome. We miss Missed you guys. You. Yeah, we yeah, missed exactly. you. Well, I'm, I was clapping. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I'm not an egotist oh, okay. like you used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and we are also joined again by uh, Eric July, YouTube host Eric July. Thank you for being here again, Absolutely. Eric. Uh, don't be too intimidated by these two. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Glenn, what's your top story? Uh, I want to say it's... Um, pluralism and the new system of government that is being created in Silicon Valley. Uh, and it's all right under the noses of Washington, and they all know it. All right, still. Um, every time Ilan Omar speaks, I learn something new. Uh, <laughs> Do no you? exception, yes, really? this weekend. So wow. Some, uh, some new material from Ilan, which was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, Eric. Of course, Democrats are looking to uh, raise the minimum wage again uh, to 15 an hour, so we'll be discussing that. Ah, obviously, a lot to get into over here. First, we want to thank our sponsor, American Financing. You're looking to buy a new home, American Financing is the place. If you're looking to refi a home, American Financing is the place. You're looking for a consolidation loan, American Financing is the place. Here's why. They don't work for a bank. They don't take commissions. They don't have upfront fees. They don't have any of that. So when you are going in to get a loan, most places, the bank is on the side, unbeknownst to you, saying, try to get them into this loan. If you do, we'll give you an extra thousand bucks or whatever it is. American Financing doesn't do that. In fact, like Stu, he'll come in with some scheme and he'll be like, could I get a loan where they're paying me? Uh, and, uh, uh, in case you yeah, want to ask, yeah. Yeah. I'll save some time. Uh, Spoiler alert. But uh, it, it, was a, it was a risky idea that Stu presented to them. Some bank out there was willing to go for it. They weren't because they try to make sure that, uh, you know, you're not living on the street in two years. Just saying. You I've already made it two years. You could be amazing. fired at any time <laughs> here. American <laughs> Financing. Call 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. All right, Glenn, your top story. You are back finally. Got a lot to get into. Yeah. Same media. old, same old stuff, but some real clarity here. There is a, a story that was published on uh, SpinQuark uh, today. That's a new website started by a friend of mine. I can't believe I'm promoting it because it actually is a news site, you know, kind of like the Drudge Report or the Blaze, but I've never been a good businessman. So uh, (laughs) let me just promote this. Here's the thing. Social government. This is much further down the road than any of us thought. I've been saying for a long time, there's going to come a time when tech and the government begin to work together. And when that happens, we're doomed Pluralism is what's happening. Now, let me define it again in case you missed my show a few minutes ago. Pluralism is the fundamental belief that government cannot be trusted with the allocation of power, primarily because of the belief that citizens are not smart enough or moral enough to elect officials who uh, will ensure the government acts morally. Well, that's exactly what we saw from the leadership of Facebook and Twitter and also um, uh, Google, where they were standing after the election and saying, we can't let this happen again. Mm-hmm. Okay? We have to stand because we can't let this happen again. So they've put in algorithms, and we've all talked about it, to silence any voice that disagrees with them. What we haven't seen is a long list, and I mean a long list of the people uh, who are involved in this. Um, y- you have the doxing from Facebook, 
They won't get rid of Antifa terrorists, but they will dox the guy who slowed the tape down for Nancy Pelosi. Wonder why. Um, It was taken off within minutes because the policy director at Facebook was Nancy Pelosi's chief of staff before she went to Facebook. Um, She's now, her job is directing policy at Facebook. The head of the algorithm policy at Facebook worked for Hillary at the State Department. The head of content policy worked for Hillary's presidential candidate. Um, Goes on and on and on. There's hundreds of these people. Let me give you, uh, let me give you this. Laura Southern's documentary on the border was removed within 24 hours without any reason or any explanation. But the policy manager at YouTube before becoming a policy manager, was employed by Hillary for America, was also a manager in Obama's campaign before that. YouTube's global content policy lead previously worked for the DNC. The person responsible for growing the next generation of stars at YouTube worked in the Office of Digital Strategy at the White House under Obama. The person that is in charge of developing the careers of YouTube creators was the director of video for Obama at the White House. The people that are helping the careers of creators, well, Vox, the company that got Steven Crowder demonetized, was one of the companies that YouTube spent two, I'm sorry, not two, $20 million to hire them to do educational uh, videos. This is a cesspool, and all of the people from government are leaving their jobs in government, and they're going here. This is a shadow government that unless they lose their platform status, we will have a shadow government. Mm -hmm. the, The First Amendment does not apply to these companies. So they want to say you're, you know, a hate monger and racist and take you off the platform they can no questions asked they can nothing in the constitution will protect you government can't do that but the government is now in bed um, through loose relationships no they're not working for the government anymore they worked for the government forever then left and now they're in charge of policy i'm telling you this is so concerning and i don't think enough people are paying attention to it this is going to change the election. If it, is, if it is left to its own devices, if we don't stop these people, they will change the algorithms and America will be influenced whether they know it or not. And we have one of the biggest minds at Harvard actually tracking it. And he's a, a Hillary supporter and he is ringing the bell. Warning, warning, warning. This election is not going to be fair because of pluralism. Still, you want to weigh in? You know, it's a tough one because, I mean, I, we, we obviously know that people who are well-connected in, uh, in government, especially on the Democratic side, go to big tech companies. Not a huge shocker. Nope. I mean, this lays it out in a detail that's excruciating mm-hmm. uh, and shows how, kind of how far it, it goes. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous from the other side in that, like, I don't, I don't want to tell any of these companies what they can do with their own platforms. They are theirs. They built them. They get to do whatever they want with them. But I don't want to protect them. Right. And I think that's really the the part where I keep coming back to is that, like, you know, 
like they should be able to, like let's just say a religious organization wanted mm-hmm. to start a social network and they wanted to say no one can swear, no one can post porn, no one can. Uh, no, everybody on it has Satan. to be. Right. Everyone has to be of this relationship. It, it, religion, this re- right? Religion, exactly. They, sh- I think they should be able to do that. Me too. Um, that statement should be clear up front. Right yeah, is that yeah. it's not clear half the time, and I think that's where, at least from my personal standpoint, because I'm a content creator, where mm-hmm. I'd rather attack it is that there are terms of service that they are supposed to acknowledge. We tend to look at that like on one side, like, hey, they can just get you up out of there. Uh, but every creator, we all, you know, check a little box that says, yes, we agree to this. And I think we need to be holding their feet to the fire and saying, hey, you need to be a little more clear. You said right here that you should be a little more clear if you're going to ban us, if you're going to shadow ban us, if you're going to put something in the algorithm that's going to put us at the bottom of whatever search uh, result that we have for Google. So I'm, I'm right there with you that, you know, as a hardcore libertarian like myself, I don't want to obviously get the government involved, but th- it's a great point that they are semi sort of working together and, and we should being, acknowledge it. And here's the thing. If you give them the platform status, they can, they are not supposed to edit. Everyone's mm-hmm. supposed to be involved. They have the platform status and the publisher status. Mm-hmm. So the government is protecting them from lawsuits because we should be able to sue them and say, excuse me, and others should be able to sue and say, you left this on there, that's caused this problem. That we're, we're, we're protecting them as a government. I don't want them broken up. I don't want them told what to do. I do not want the United States of America giving them protection. If they were a platform and never edited, you'd never hear a peep out of me. Protect them. Mm-hmm. But they're editing. That's got to stop. If they want that protection from legal action and everything else, there has to be some mechanism for people, you know, content creators that they begged to come on this platform to say, please build this platform for us. Um, They they have to have a way to be able to get some sort of justice within the platform. I mean, people have spent a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of their creative license to be able to go in there and build this platform for these companies. And then they're not at all responsible to the people who actually built the, the platform themselves and the ones making them all the money. Look, the, the thing is, is this is this exactly what happened in Tokyo Rose, the original woman, one of seven, but the only one that paid any debt to society. And she didn't have a debt to pay. She thought, she really thought, oh, well, I'll go to the press and I'll get justice because I was actually helping the allies. I am an American citizen. They'll find this a great story. Well, they didn't because they wanted a bad story. So they just jammed her into that. She never got justice. She served seven years in a jail in prison, uh, I mean, in, in Japan. And then she went to prison for another seven or 10 years here in the United States. Tried twice. And everybody shut their mouth because the government could define everything and control all of the information. When they control all the information, you can't defend yourself. I was just in a lawsuit up in in Massachusetts. The government, 300 pages we demanded to have the just, just the judge see. Just the judge. I don't need to see it. Nobody else. Just the judge. The judge demanded the White House turn it over two times. They eventually turned over. They said... Over our dead body. We are here with explicit instructions. We are never going to release that. She, she, we said, just redact everything that doesn't rely to, you know, that doesn't revolve around this particular case. They gave 300 pages. Every word was reacted, redacted. <laughs> how, how am I supposed to defend myself? Yeah. If the government has control of everything, you cannot defend yourself. Yeah. 
Uh, Eric, really quickly before we go to break, just wondering, have you been uh, a victim of any sort of suppression? Well, I, I feel like it at, at certain times there's always funky stuff going on with my channel um, here and there and certainly on the vast amounts of different sort of social media platforms that, I on, that I'm on. I certainly see it. Um, happening to other individuals, be it mm -hmm. they get banned all the way. Uh, certainly when they recently, I believe as of a month ago, they did some sort of harassment policy change and they took down like hundreds of pages, yeah. demonetized. I believe Stephen Crowder was part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was just boxing. for their arbitrary, right. if you're bad for their community. And that's the problem. Like it's, it's such, and I think there will be a lot less pushback from creators if they were certainly more, I guess, concise in terms of how they define yeah, open what's and go going. And, and then you could actually, your accuser, whoever it is, is mm -hmm. saying, hey, this was negative content, this violated our rules. Okay, can I talk to that person? Can we figure out what exactly I did? But it's very difficult to get in contact with YouTube, certainly if you don't have a following. And those are the people that I feel sorry for the most. It's easy for guys like, you know, ourselves. We got these blue check marks on Twitter. Mm -hmm. We can at Team YouTube. And sometimes mm -hmm. they, they do respond. But who's that the other person that's been having this channel for 10 years or something like that? They may not be that, that popular, but they put a lot of work into it and then they get banned. Like, what are they supposed to do? The most important part is the algorithm yeah. the algorithm of stacking stories and voices because if they want the democrat to win all they have to do is stack their stories against the republican leave stories out make sure stories don't see the light of day and no one will know unless you're tracking it like they are at harvard yeah. all right what Stu learned from ilan omar when we come That's back good you learned a lot <laughs> she is like an, she's like hanging out with the encyclopedia britannica yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you learned from Ilan Omar. There's a lot here. There's a lot to take out of this clip. Um, she was at what Netroots, Netroots uh, Nation, yeah. and uh, I, part of the thing I find interesting about this clip is the audience reaction to it. Uh, but let me just lay it on out there and uh, watch Ilan Omar take it to school. And if you ever think that you have a chance. We're going to treat you worse than a dog. One of our members said to me, if there were dogs in those cages, every single member of Congress would vote to make sure that all of these cages didn't exist anymore. Mm. So we live in a society, we live in a society and govern in a body that might value the life of a dog more than they value the life of a child who might not look like theirs. <laughs> I think I heard, I think I've heard this from Farrakhan. Yeah? Yeah, I think I've heard really? something similar to this from Farrakhan. I, look, <laughs> the, the, the border situation, there's a lot of stuff that's really rough on yeah. the border. There's no doubt about that. Um, and and I, I, we can talk about that. But that's different from what this is. <laughs> Because this, what I find fascinating about this is I don't think there's a human being on earth who could l listen to that and think it's worth applause. <laughs> That's one of the worst points I've ever heard made. Because you're pointing out, you're saying, well, I can't believe they, they, you know, the people are being uh, held in cages 
And, you know, if, if there was ever a dog in a cage, people would rise up. It's like, well, there's dogs in cages all the yeah, time. Like you go to Petco, there's, right you go to Petco, you can choose from about 20 that they'll sell yeah, you for your house. it's massively yeah. common. Pets, Have you ever been to a pet stuff. store? Yeah. Like, I, they're all in cages. Yeah, Pets yeah. World or whatever. I was just yeah. walking by in New York. In New York. It was nothing but cages yes. for dogs. That's where dogs are typically kept in our society. <laughs> they don't run free like at Chernobyl. Mm. It's, a, it's a different situation here. And, and like, it, there's, a, there's an element of just, we can, yes, certainly make fun of Ilan Omar for making a terrible point. And I like the fact that she's actually amazed by what a good point it was. So amazed that she brought it up in front of a large crowd, and then that large crowd actually applauded for it like it was a good point. Um, you know, it's Netroots Nation. But I mean, <laughs> this is about I, as left as you can get. I do think the why it matters part of this is not necessarily just making fun of her. Is that like this is like there is a very low level of debate in this country right now. Mm-hmm. The, the fact, like, that is not something that so, you know the person who I don't know Daily Cost guy Marcos or whatever like. Even he wouldn't think that's a good point. Like, that's below, like, their worst editor's intern's brother <laughs> makes that point you know, and is you not getting clapped. You know, you know, you know <laughs> Wild drunk. Say. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Wild hammer. Yeah, the dog's in a cage. That doesn't happen. <laughs> it's really a bad, bad point. And, you know, the fact that they're applauding for it, A, shows, like, just the level. Any point that says, essentially translates in their mind as, um, you know, I mean, I think it boils down to, in this particular case, that just Donald Trump is bad. Anything that you say on that front is going to get applause. Um, but, like, secondly, it's like it's this – it's a step back from, from just – it's almost like celebrity worship. Ilan Omar is at a point now with the left in which she's earned this sort of credibility of being willing to stand up and say whatever crazy thing has ever come to any of their minds. And so when she makes a point, it's auto-profound, right? Like, it's profound without any – without any attempt at being profound. And I think, like, that is where we are. And it certainly happens on the right, too. You see it with Trump sometimes. When it's he'll not over... happening to me with you right now. No? Okay. <laughs> no, well, it's not. <laughs> Believe me. I'm with you on that. No, but, like, you know, like, you know, Trump will, like, mispronounce a word or misspell a word, and people will assign meaning to it. I mean, the whole, what, Q conspiracy? Yeah, Doesn't yeah, it yeah, come yeah. basically from that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not healthy, and I, I don't know how we get back to the point where we can all kind of discuss things, you know, with, with sort of nuance and understanding. But, man, we, I can't even see it from where we are right now. Yeah, no, that's the problem with this is that, you know, she's being dramatic and she's saying a bunch of nonsense. People apply it. We talked about this before in which that's, I mean, that's the age that we're in, the social media age where everybody, you can just say whatever. It doesn't have to make sense. If it's Orange Man bad, you get applause, you get the retweets, you get all of that. And my problem, my biggest gripe with it, certainly in the aspect of immigration, is that it doesn't, you know, we're not creating any legitimate conversation like sort of what you're mentioning because we're, we're having to focus on, like, you know, this dramatism regarding the terms that she's using. Even at the end, I don't know if you guys heard at the end of that clip, she's like people that don't look like them. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that is that what we're actually yeah. um, arguing here is that people are or they have a problem with immigration because of people don't look like them? I don't really think that's necessarily representative of the actual conversation, but we don't get to have a legitimate conversation. So as long as they are being dramatic. And that's it's it's very difficult. I agree with you 100 percent. I don't know how we get back to that, to having some legitimate sort of cordial dialogue about the subject matter of immigration. So as long as people are going to just say whatever nonsense. And if it's orange man bad, they'll applaud it. We have to we have to start stop applauding for people 
Mm. when they're just saying bullcrap. <laughs> you know what I mean? When they're just saying stuff that they know, oh, I'm so brave. I am Spartacus. Don't applause. Don't applause. Yeah. No, you're not. You're a crazy dude. I, I would also, I would also, uh, maybe I'll push back a little bit in the sense that I agree with her mm -hmm. that members of Congress do value animals more than humans, but it's the Democrats who right. want to make it legal for a woman to abort a baby yeah, but it's at also nine the months Democrat pregnant. It's also the Democrats that want to give full personhood to animals. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, and but I, then they're like, in New York, we want to make sure people can, women can have abortions up to, you know, up to birth, but we want to make sure that you, you're not allowed to declaw your cats. Right. Like, I, the priorities see, there are. You know, but the thing is, is that, let's use her analogy on the border. If over a million dogs were on the border <laughs> and they are crossing into our country and they're overwhelming <laughs> our cities and there's all kinds of, you know, some of them have rabies and are biting people. Some of dogs are crazy and ripping people apart. But the vast majority are the mama dogs with their, with their litter of little dogs, okay? But there are some others. You're damn right we'd be down there with cages. <laughs> we'd be down there with guns. Shoot them. <laughs> Stu? Uh, I, I, I mean, it, it is just, just amazing because I, I agree with you. I thought the same thing on, on, the, on the life thing. What's interesting about that is that is a very like somewhat standard argument from the right, right? Like that, like you guys are prioritizing the lives of animals over the lives of these unborn children. Yeah, we said that about the, the claws with cats. Yeah. yeah. Declawing cats can't do it, but you can, you can right. use your claws right. to go in and grab a child. Right. But, but like the, the fact that she's making that, she seems completely unaware that anyone has ever said anything like that before. It's like, how is this they woman are. in Congress and, and leading our country, leading one of the two parties, and doesn't know the most basic argument? I mean, here, look, there are a lot of things that you don't want to keep in cages. Dog is not a good example. Like, it's just like the worst. Po it's like, hey, let me take the one thing you do keep in a cage and act as if that's a good example. That'd be like this. putting an octopus in water. Right. Like, like yeah, but they are. They're in water. Oh, I, just I would hate to see if she ever had a puppy. Her house would just be just filthy. Because <laughs> she can't put it in a cage, right? How are you going to house drain it? Uh, all right. Back in a minute. Soon they're going to let him outside to go to the bathroom. <laughs> right? Yeah. Glenn, I know you did a, a bunch of fun things when you were out in New York, but one of them was a really interesting podcast. Yeah, um, I sat down with Gavin McGinnis, um, and it is funny, really funny, really dangerous, not to me, to him. <laughs> uh, I mean, he said some things that I just went, I don't, I'm pretty sure you shouldn't say those things out loud. <laughs> um, but he's just really, really funny and has a lot to say. A yeah. lot to say. And that's coming out this weekend? Yes, Saturday. Okay. All you have to do is go to uh, iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Just look for the Glenn Beck Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, please, because it helps other people find it. Um, along with the News and Why It Matters podcast, we are also available on podcasts. Shut up. Yes. Really? Wow. Yes. You know what else? In America? In America, oh, yes. Okay. And I guess in other countries? Oh, I don't yeah. really know how that works. I don't know. I don't know how many uh, people we have from other countries just tuning in uh, to watch all about American politics. But uh, you can find us there.
I do get some. I, I yeah, get no, some we, people. We actually, there's a few countries that actually care yeah. about what happens in America. The rest of them are just like, <laughs> you think we're screwed up. Mm. Or, well, or there are Americans who are living yeah. abroad who yeah. are They're really banished. tuned in. Yeah, who are really tuned in. Um, but you can uh, you can catch the news and why it matters on iTunes as well. And just like Glenn said, you gotta rate it and review it. Give us like a 10 million star rating, however how you can go. Uh, don't forget, overtime starts next. Eric is going to be talking about the $15 minimum wage and what a great idea that is. Oh, so you can, great. right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm really glad that they're finally doing that. They're finally trying something new. No one here has tried it and no. had it fail. No. So I can't wait. Uh, you can go to blazetv.com right now. Use promo code NEWS for $10 off of your annual subscription. We'll see you there. So in New York, they were saying, we already have a $15. It needs to be much higher. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. All right, Eric. $15 minimum wage. Yeah, it looks like yet again. Every year we have this conversation. I believe it's called the Raise the Wage Act. Um, is going that, to be voted on. That's creative. On. Yeah, very, very creative, right? <laughs> it's original. Uh, voted on this week. I believe they're trying to up, I believe the, the end date is like 2024 or something like that. They want 15 um, an hour minimum wage by then. And So would it be like a ramp up? Yeah, I believe it's like, yeah, so it's like kind of a slow slow ramp up, but eventually they want a federal minimum wage of $15 an hour. Now, of course, it's completely um, nonsensical, but I, I absolutely get triggered by this this topic because I just have a, at least a basic understanding of economics, <laughs> and I would think that people in Congress would as well, but it tends that's not the case. But it does always sound good when you can say, hey, mm-hmm. we are going to what it sounds like we're just giving give you more money or more so we're going to force businesses to give you more money and quite often they never consider the other effects they don't consider the fact that who are you going to price out of the market mm-hmm. um certainly you know a black black employment is something that i obviously take seriously and anytime that's raised that's what takes a hit certainly black young teenage um employment because a lot of them uh, they go to these rotten schools um, the, where they're going to get sort of their to build these sort of skills. Right. It's going to be by working. Right. And what you essentially do when you do that is, you know, nobody's going to for uh, hire a kid to do whatever. I'm obviously a proponent of getting rid of the minimum wage uh, altogether. But I'm dead serious by that because I believe that it would make the market obviously a lot more. Um, competitive, and I don't think people really understand. Certainly, the Democrats, the guys that seem like they hate businesses all the time, don't seem to understand that the people get can afford to pay, let's say, somebody fifteen an hour, or those rich people that they quite often think should be paying for everybody's health care and, and everything else. But those mom and pop pop shots, they, they they can't really afford to pay anybody. 15 and an right. hour, which is ultimately what they want. And certainly in areas in the South, like, you know, in Texas, where the standard of living or the cost of living is uh, certainly lower. That's that's a lot of money. You know what I mean? A lot of jump up from people that are maybe paying somebody, obviously, minimum wage or a little above it. You're talking about maybe doubling people's wage um, at some point. And of course, you're going to price people out of the market. But I think it goes to show that's the Democrats. That's the tactic. Right. It's been their tactic mm-hmm. historically mm-hmm. as we can say what sounds good. It doesn't have to make mm-hmm. any sort of sense. 
never mind the Federal <laughs> Reserve and there. Uh, and, and that's the thing is that just like some of the other topics that we've been discussing today is that when we have these silly conversations, we don't get to talk about the root of the problem. Like, again, maybe how people's currency is getting uh, devalued by way of the you know Federal Reserve or anything like that. We're not having that sort of discussion or the regulations that are preventing people from entering the market so they can make their own money. Uh, we're not discussing that. Instead, they want to put a Band-Aid on the problem and, hey, let's just embrace the wage to 15 an hour. And, of course, it doesn't work. It'll never work, but it doesn't have to make any sort of sense because it sounds good. And that's, again, that's just really representative of their tactics. It's been like that forever. Yeah, still. I mean, it seems mean, right? I mean, if we have to raise the minimum wage, it's mean if you don't do it. And, and that's really the basis of this argument. You know, it's so little of it is, is based on the actual policy or what the, what the effects of it would be. Of course, creating dependence is something that is uh, very nice for Democrats. They like doing that. It's a nice little side feature here because you put people out of work, you know, because I, you know, I go to McDonald's no more than 12 to 15 times a week. And uh, when I go in there, I've noticed, uh, you know, the one near our house has the, the already has the mm-hmm. kiosk. Automation. Thing, the the touchscreen oh, yeah. thing. It's beautiful. I get to explain, like, I get to, you know, do all my substitutions and, you know, add the four or five extra cheese slices, whatever I'm doing that particular day. I don't have to explain it. I have to look somebody in the eye and be embarrassed <laughs> about how pathetic I am. I get to just do it on the touchscreen. Well, you, you know, and it's, it, I think one of the pictures they cycled through there as we were going through the Fight for 15 thing was a picture of McDonald's. And I feel like McDonald's is often the target for this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, McDonald's is operating a business yes. with very low margins. Like, it's, you never, it's never the place that's serving quinoa and $14 avocado right. toast as a target for Democrats to right. take out in these things. You notice it's always like some big evil corporation, you know, where average people go to eat, right? Mm-hmm. Where average people go to work. It's not, it's not, you know, these, I mean, like you have high margins. I know this is going to shock you, Sarah, but $15 avocado toast, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of a margin on that. Uh, you could probably afford to Come on. deserve You can't your- put a price tag on <laughs> For you, greatness of avocado. I, I just feel like, you know, because I, I totally agree. I, I think, you know, the minimum wage should be zero. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that there should be one. If you're going to go down that road, it should be as local as possible. I mean, if you, you know, so you've seen this in some cities. And they'll, they'll prop it up to $15. Seattle was, was a pretty recent example where their restaurant industry was basically destroyed by it, um, or at least hurt very badly. And that's the problem. You can't, you know, when you're, if you're, from, if you're a liberal and you want to put in $15 minimum wage, well, if you put it in in a city, you see the results. People move outside the cities um, and you see the damage done. You, you almost like can't allow it. You have to have it everywhere so that people can't move away from it. Um, we, <laughs> that we, right. we, we, did, we used to work at this place called Balakin when in, in Philly. We've told this story before, but there's a, a, line, a road called uh, City Line Avenue. And it runs in between the city of Philadelphia and Balakinwood, which is the first town outside in the suburbs. And one side of the road is barren. Like, there's, like, a couple of apartment complexes, a couple things. The other side's built up with tons and tons of businesses. Why? They want to avoid that city wage tax and other taxes that are in the city and all the crazy restrictions. So everyone builds on one side of the road instead of the other. How many times does this have to be proved? Right. We know that this is what happens. And, they, you know, because I think it feels good and not many people take economics classes, uh-huh. they're allowed to get away with it. Yeah, yeah no, and I think, obviously, that the people that they claim that they're wanting to help, right, they always give you the yeah. sob story. Oh, the, the mother of five can't afford to 
feed their children on minimum wage, you know, well, first of all, you probably, you know, you won't be able to, you shouldn't be able to making <laughs> right. uh, uh, that money. But either way, that has nothing to do with the business. Just, right. you know, the, those are your personal sort of economic situations. But nonetheless, those are the exact people um, that are making minimum wage, maybe trying to build up a resume or something like that. Those are the people that are going to be hurt the most mm -hmm. because you're going to price them out of the market, like in the case of McDonald's. They're really helping guys that, you know, know IT work and stuff like that because they're the ones that got to come maybe uh, program the kiosk or fix yeah. the kiosk. Those are the people you're, you're helping that are they're making well over minimum wage right now. But those are the people that you're helping. Uh, but you're pricing those other individuals completely out of the market. But they don't they don't see that. And quite often, unfortunately, the people that need that help um, are the ones that are going to get priced out of, out of the market, the ones that are championing 15 and out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I worked at McDonald's. Uh, I made four dollars and twenty-seven cents an hour when I worked wow. there. My work was not worth fifteen dollars an hour. <laughs> it also was not worth four dollars and twenty-seven cents an hour. They should have paid me less, especially <laughs> if they took all the food that I took uh, out of my pay. Uh, but I mean, like, you know what? That's part of it. Like, sometimes you're you, like when you're starting out, it's not designed to support no, a family of five. Right. That's not, not what it's for. It's the minimum, yeah. um, and it's supposed to be where you can gather experience. If you take those people who are just gathering experience and probably doing a pretty bad job a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. I know I was a terrible minimum wage <laughs> worker. Um, but like I gathered experience. I realized, okay, I have to show up on time or I'm going to get fired. And you learn those basic Absolutely. things when you're 16 and 17 years old. And that's what that, those jobs are designed for. Yeah. Uh, speaking of this whole, you know, the movement by the left to make everything into an emotional appeal, make everything about, you know, feeling good. Uh, Cabot Phillips from Campus Reform, he got, he designed a fake petition to change the uh, mascot name at the University of Miami. So mm -hmm. it's the Hurricanes, right? Um, but he, he put in the state petition that they wanted to change it because it was offensive to people who had been in a hurricane before. Um, and he just wanted to see if the students would be into it, if they would go along with it. Watch. We feel like it's kind of offensive to students on campus that have been negatively impacted by hurricanes throughout their lives. So when people are cheering at games, go hurricanes, um, a lot of times without thinking it, you can actually yeah. hurt a lot of people. Mm, yeah. So is that something you consider supporting? Sure. Thank you so much. Sure. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Is that something you'd consider signing? Sure. Thank you so much. I feel bad because I kind of like the hurricane. I liked the hurricane too until I learned about I'll how it made it people on campus yeah. feel. Well, what's I'll your idea? Well, we're taking suggestions. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so that's, we're trying to come up with an alternative, just a, a healthier alternative. It doesn't even have to be something uh, like an animal because even... The cacti. The cacti. I think that'd be great. It's a productive part of society. Even some people were saying like animals, but a lot of animals at this point have just become kind of tools for like human pleasure, like in big activity. So it is awful. And so we're trying to pick something that's just must completely not get online, positive. Probably. I know. Well, and then he said, um, well, we were thinking about sharks, but then that would hurt the people who have been victims of shark attacks as well. Right, so we can't. But this is how stupid we've gotten right. in culture is that <laughs> we can't now we're looking at mascot names. We're looking at anything that can offend any particular subset of people. And they just blindly follow along with it. And those you know, universities seem to be rotten nowadays. But, man, it goes to show that as long as you can paint somebody as a victim, yeah. Um, you, you you get some sort of support. 
And I think that's just representative of the times, unfortunately, is that everybody wants to be. It's like currency right now. Yep. It's almost like money. How how yes. how many people can t- to paint themselves as victims, you know, and then you have that other side that wants to signal to those victims sort of. Uh, it's almost narcissism sort of in, in a way that they want to boost their own stature by the sake of, oh, I'm, I'm helping all of these poor victims. And it what it does, at least in my honest opinion, is that it, it, it creates a society that seems to want to rob themselves of any sort of agency, right? Any sort of responsibility or accountability, things that I think should be a positive thing. If you can say, okay, even if I succeed or if I fail, at least that was on me, that was on my own terms. But if I can paint you as a you know victim, it's like, hey, you know, it's not my fault, right? It's not my fault. What, what happened to me was some, some guy pulling puppet strings on me, and uh, that's why it happened, and that's what it is now. So people are, oh, they will absolutely go support anything. Definitely people on, yeah. on college campuses support anything as long as they can paint somebody as the victim. Yeah, I think to, and to add on to that, I think there's a there's a, a thing that's going on in our society right now, which is like it doesn't even matter what the cause is; it's just the activism is a thing yeah. in and of itself. Oh, yes. Like the fact that they're actually doing something and they're signing something and they're trying to you know affect change, and they feel like they're doing something, and they can tell others that they're doing something. That is the goal. The goal is not to actually stop offending people. It's you know like in, to mention a frequent jihad of mine, the paper straw. Like it's got nothing to do with the environment to get rid of plastic straws like that is not it has nothing to do with that it's it's the it's everybody signaling to each other that i care about the environment and i'm a good person and these other people are bad people the people who like the straws that you know work (laughs) when it comes to sucking liquid up into your mouth uh they actually are effective and and that's bad you know we did this uh, a while ago one of glenn's books um i think it was maybe an inconvenient book Mm -hmm. um had a great poll in there that i always refer to which was the number one reason why people bought a Prius was that not not the environment, not that it, it helped on gas mileage, not that it was efficient, nothing. It was that it said something about me. That was the number one reason the people admitted to buying Priuses because it said something about me. And there's just so much of that in our society now. You, you sign a petition not because you care if the hurricane thing there is there or not, it's because it says something about you. And that's uh, you're a good person. Yeah, you're a good person. I'm I'm better than those evil, you know, libertarians and conservatives. They're awful. I'm a good person. You can you can like me. Yeah. Uh, Again, another unhealthy trait of our society at the moment. Uh, Stu, Monica Lewinsky back in the headlines. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Monica Lewinsky. Let let me give you this story first. So she has this someone tweets out something very innocuous. Like, what's the worst piece of advice you've ever received? I think about your job. Uh, and, you know, one said, oh, don't waste time uh, helping others. Don't uh, drop 90% of your projects. She responded, an internship at the White House will be amazing on your resume. <laughs> the worst <laughs> career advice she's ever received. I got to say, like, I don't know why I find this to be interesting, but, like, she's really turned me around. Like, I like her. Yeah. Like, she's very likable to me. And she she's funny. Like, she's very seemingly honest about, like, all the stuff that she went through. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, some of this has been her... Uh, you know, like she was kind of involved in this sort of, you know, lumped into this Me Too thing. And I watched the documentary that she she was in and I, I didn't get that really out of her. I mean, I, I, I think she saw it more as her bad choice. Yeah. Right. And like that doesn't mean that Bill Clinton was a good guy in this scenario. Uh, certainly not. And he certainly he made some bad choices as well. But he, he was sort of lumped into this like that she was abused Bill Clinton was accused of many by many women of actual abuse. With her, 
You know, she's like, I, you know, I, I was, I got in over my head and I was in love and I thought these things were going to, but she seems like very like human and natural. And like, I can't, you know, honestly, going back to 1998, you know, this is a, this is before I was even in talk radio, you know, this is going back a long time. But I mean, I remember, you know, her being this, she was very much vilified by the media Mm -hmm. on both sides. You know, the the right didn't like her because of, uh, you know, everything that was going on, which we'd kind of expect. But the the left and the media didn't like her either because they were taking down this wonderful president that they had. And she kind of got stuck in between the parties and everybody kind of hated her for a while. And she's done it like she just seems like a really likable person at this point. And I I don't know. I find that to be a fascinating transformation over a very long period of time. I I think it goes to show. I mean, if if you can sort of, you know, we relate to it. Everybody makes these mistakes, certainly at a younger age. And it's like she's owning up to it. Mm -hmm. You know, she has owned up to it. She also wasn't the one who was married. Right. Right. (laughs) That always bothers me. Like, it's it's not not her responsibility. No, it's not. She did not stand in front of Hillary Clinton and say any vows. Yes. It's not on her. Sorry, I didn't. No, no. You're 100 percent right, but I think that's just what it is. I mean, a lot of people have, you know, we all know the story, we all know what happened, but you know, it was a long time ago. It seems that uh, she's owned up to it, and when we see that, and I, I certainly I see that. I see people owning up to it, trying to, you know, you know, you can make some sort of humor out. I make humor out of yeah. some stupid stuff that I did all the all sure. believe me all the time. <laughs> I, I do that, so I can most definitely respect that. Certainly, somebody that's maybe. Uh, living some sort of a, a better life, understanding what you know the mistake that they made, and just sort of owning up to it. It's those individuals that are doing stuff, uh, you know, on the side and trying to hide it, you know, and making it seem like they're this is morally righteous person. Those are the people that irritate the living heck out of me. But at least, at the very least, own up to it, and mm-hmm. I feel it feels like that's what Monica's doing. I do find it interesting, though, the the people that the left allows to learn from their mistakes and continue existing. Uh, oh, yeah. And the people that they just completely blacklist and don't give another pick and chance. Choose. They and, most definitely yeah. pick and choose who, who who they will. You know, it, that's just kind of not that nature. she's really. I mean, she's not doing much. Right. Yeah. I mean, I she, think, I, but, yeah, she's got a normal, uh, right, a regular, life, yeah, which regular, a, which life. is totally okay Good for her. <laughs> you saw this with, I think, um, the Epstein story, which I'm sure you guys talked about mm-hmm. last week. It's like. This Epstein story was something that, I, you know, was somewhat fascinating to me and sat there for a decade yes. until Trump named someone in the case as an official. Yes. And then all of a sudden, everyone cares about all these poor women and girls who were uh, abused a long time ago because Acosta is, is involved in the story. I swear it's the only reason anyone yes. in the media is interested in it. Bill Maher made a, there was a tweet back from, yeah, 2015, where he joked about, Bill Clinton getting on Epstein's plane, going to Sex Island. Right. Yeah. I mean, they knew that this was happening. They knew it was happening. No one cared. Clarity it's not until they can bring down their little enemy yep. when they can finally uh, do the. You know. oh, it's amazing. All right. Uh, what was this? Friday's poll. Uh, do you think it was right for Acosta, speaking of that, to resign after the allegations that he gave a sweetheart deal to uh, Jeffrey Epstein? 60% of you said yes. 40% of you said no. Um, and Stu, just for, for clarification purposes, we did say on the show um, we would need more context for what this, this was a, a question that was worded a little bit strange in that do you think it was right for him to resign it's like well we don't know if he gave the sweetheart deal or not yeah. that's the allegation mm-hmm. right so I mean, he definitely got a sweetheart deal he was definitely involved in it i mean the Miami herald did great reporting mm-hmm. on this um uh, but you know it was well I, i'm sorry we didn't know the context behind the deal because if he right. was saying there He's were saying federal that, like for example like the getting out of prison uh every day to go to work for 12 hours like he claims he had nothing to do with that at all right 
it's just one of those things. I think like Trump gave him a chance to go out there and you know defend himself, mm-hmm. um, and you know as soon as the second he thinks it's not going his way, mm-hmm. I mean Acosta's gone, right? Yeah. Like. You know, and I don't know how Acosta. I don't know how he was the labor secretary in the first place. Like I was like, I don't know what he like. He, it doesn't. It was such a strange hire anyway. Uh, so I mean, you know, it's a bizarre one though. It is. Yeah. It is. It's fascinating to to see that kind of come down because, I mean, that story fascinated conservatives for years because of Clinton's involvement largely. Right. The exact opposite issue, right? Like it wasn't that they cared necessarily about Epstein. It was the fact that he was shuttling around people like Bill Clinton all over the place. And that was a, a calling card. Like, I remember talk radio hosts blabbing on going on incessantly about what a big story that was. No one cared. The second Trump hires some guy we've never even heard of, like, then it's a huge deal. Which really makes I mean, us... At least justice comes, right, eventually. I mean, yes, you know. but how crappy are we as a society? Yeah. No one talking, no one's talking about the young girls no, I know. whose lives were ruined. Right. No one wants to talk about it. They I just know. want to turn it into a political game. I know. It's disgusting. I, at we're least disgusting. one good thing, though, does come out of, like, the media's uh, Trump obsession, which right. does seem here to be at least a little bit of justice. We just have to have Trump involved in all the bad crimes. <laughs> we could just get him involved somehow, then yeah. the but law like, go whatever. I mean, I don't want him too heavily involved. Yeah, no, probably not crimes. a good idea. Probably, I'm going to just, just He just can, like, have, have a connection. <laughs> yeah. Some sort of weird, even if it's a very loose connection. Yeah. Just some He's connection. He's like Gardner. Yes. Yeah, like a murder comes along, his Gardner's brother was involved, then they can throw it back on Trump I'm somehow. totally on board with that. Justice. <laughs> right. Uh, today's poll, what issue is more important to you, building the wall or ending abortion. Uh, let us know what you think at the Blazes Twitter. I know yours. Yeah, I would definitely go with the abortion one on that. Um, you know, but uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how the... I mean, I think because immigration's a more of a hot button sort of topic, I would be surprised if that one wins the poll. I don't yeah. know why we're always predicting who's going to win the poll. I don't know why that's part of this, but it is fun. Because it's fun. Mm. That is why. Uh, Eric, well, you're a libertarian, yeah, so I don't uh, know your views on nah, abortion see, yet. Oh, no. Well, um, I'm a, I think that's the one subject matter that libertarians are like 50-50 yeah, on. Yeah, you know what I is, mean? Yeah. That Some people are like, I'm a pro-life uh, libertarian, and others mm. aren't. So most definitely abortion uh, for me. 100%. Okay. Well, let us know what you think at the Blazes Twitter. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here again, Eric. Anytime. And welcome back again, Thank Stu. You. We'll you see you tomorrow. <laughs> I forgot how to do that show. Now I remember. I remember. I just a Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.